Hello everyone, welcome to Soulmates Podcast. This is Emily. And this is Rachel. Today we are reviewing a 2021 Korean movie called Space Sweepers. You thought we were going to review Squid Game, but nope. (laughs) We're not going to review that thing that everyone's watching right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since everybody's watching it and everybody has like a million reviews out already of this, we're not going to bother. We're going to be talking about Space Sweepers. I feel like I need to put in some alien woo-woo music right now. So Space Sweepers is a 2021 South Korean space western. I was very excited when I read that it was a space western because I'm a really big fan of like Firefly and Cowboy Bebop. So when I saw that, I was really fucking pumped. And this is actually regarded as the first Korean space blockbuster. Fun fact. Yeah, I didn't even know the term space blockbuster was really a thing, but I guess Star Wars is a space blockbuster, and this is the first Korean one. (laughs) You know what? I think Alien would be like a space blockbuster, like the first. Or like horror, I guess. Yeah. Space horror. We're getting off track. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Space Sweepers was released on Netflix on February 5th, 2021, so it is relatively new. Yeah, and if you are looking for something to watch on Netflix, this isn't a huge time commitment. I mean, it is a long movie, but it's not like a 12-episode, hour-long thing, (laughs) hour-long episode, 12-hour commitment. It's just a movie. Yeah. So we thought this would be nice to review because it's kind of a busy season for everyone, I think, right now. Oh, yeah. So for this review, we're going to do a synopsis of the plot. So there will be spoilers. If you want to remain spoiler free, you pretty much got to go to basically like the last three minutes of the podcast where we give our ratings and our K-pop recommendations. So if you want to remain spoiler free, we'll see you after you watch the movie. Yep. If you don't care or if you've already seen this, let's go (laughs) insert spooky music. So the movie starts, and it is the year 2092. Earth has become nearly uninhabitable. It's basically just a giant garbage dump. Pollution, poisoned water supply, it is a giant shit show. Think Blade Runner, but worse? (laughs) Think a combination of WALL-E and The 100. (laughs) This premise has been done before. So the UTS Corporation is building a orbiting home for humanity that mimics the ecosystem on Earth. So it's basically a giant space station, but it's meant to be New Earth. Mm -hmm. However, only a few elite people are permitted to be citizens of this space station. Of course, you know, the, the wealthy and the famous and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone else who who is a scrub, basically, has to live on Earth and breathe polluted air. Many non-citizens from all across the globe work as space sweepers, and they are basically space janitors. They work in ships and they collect space debris floating in Earth's orbit, and then they sell it to companies that then use the scraps and make other things with it. So the movie basically follows a crew of people doing this space sweeping and their ship, which is called the Victory. It really reminds me of Cowboy Bebop and the fact that the space sweepers are really portrayed more as like space pirates. They have 
crazy rigged out ships. They're fighting over the space debris. It is dangerous. The space debris is like flying by them. It's definitely like a unique thing to focus on like these. They're not just like pirates stealing from people. They're collecting trash, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. They're like, that's my trash. (laughs) That's my hunk of space junk. So the crew of the Victory, we'll start with uh, Tiger Park. He was basically a drug baron on Earth, and he now is basically relegated to space because if he goes back to Earth, he gets immediately executed because of the crimes that he committed. (laughs) So he's the engineer, I guess, for the Victory. And then Bubs, the android, used to be like an android soldier, um, but now she helps repair the ship and um, she's really cool. She likes to stand on top of the spaceship with like a harpoon and throw the harpoon into space, which is super cool. Her whole like motivation is that she's trying to save up money to get a complete skin graft on her so she actually can look like a human woman. Captain Zhang was a child genius that was sponsored by the UTS Corporation, and she created several high-tech inventions for the company. But after discovering how disgusting the company is, and we'll talk about that later, um, she became a pirate and tried to assassinate the person that led the company, who, again, we'll talk about in a little bit. Her crew on that mission was killed, so she changed her identities and had an eye transplant (laughs) and became the captain of the ship. Kim Tae-ho is kind of the uh, male lead in this film. He's so pretty. He is very pretty. And he's... (laughs) He's the last member we're going to talk about that's on the Victory crew. He was a child soldier, and in one of his missions, he comes across a girl called Suni who was ejected into space after debris collided with their station. But his sole aim is to raise enough money by working for the Victory to pay the authorities' recovery team to locate her body before she drifts out of orbit and is lost in space forever. So he's trying to get money to, you know, say his final goodbyes to this child that he found and took in as his daughter. So that's the crew of the Victory. So the movie really picks up when the crew meets a little girl named Dorothy. So you see a bunch of alerts on uh, news networks and it's like, considered extremely dangerous. And it's this picture of this little girl. And then they look and they're like, oh shit, it's the kid. (laughs) She's like an atomic bomb. So they pick her up without realizing it. And then when they realize, they're like, how can we make money off of this? They decide to basically ransom her to the people looking for her. They go to a nightclub to collect the ransom. But of course, like Dorothy just wanders off like a normal child. And then the UTS soldiers are like, we got to fuck shit up. They stage a massacre to get back at Black Fox. But of course, the victory team is totally caught in the crossfire. Mm -hmm. But little Dorothy protects the people on the spaceship. Then they all kind of become attached to her. (laughs) After that, the trio are able to make it back to the ship. Jong finds papers in Dorothy's backpack and he goes through them while Bubs puts makeup on Dorothy, which I thought was probably the best scene in the whole movie. Like, way too much makeup on this small child. 
Bubs tells her the story of Teho uh, as a child soldier. He attacked and boarded a ship that carried several fleeing non-citizens and he killed them. And he noticed that a baby is still alive in the arms of a dead woman. And he adopted the girl. She rekindled his humanity and Teho found himself unable to hurt others. And as a result, he was fired from the force and made homeless and then reduced to a non-citizen. And then after a year, he became pretty desperate and started gambling and he was neglecting his adopted daughter. And then that's when she wanders away and then was completely blown into space by a debris impact. So after this kind of backstory on Teho, um, we return back to the original plot and Kotanim or Dorothy was going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, but then people from Black Fox try to take her back. A scuffle ensues and the crew of the Victory and Black Fox end up confronting each other and talking about Dorothy. Is she a hydrogen bomb? <laughs> Is she a robot? Because she, robots don't poop was kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. um, so Black Fox reveals that they are really an environmental group, not a terrorist organization. And Kotanim is not an android, but is a human child. However, she was born with a congenital disease and her father, Kang, injected her with nanobots. So she has like nanobot technology inside of her, which saved her life, but also gave her a unique power in that she could communicate with other nanobots to heal and protect, which is how she protected them in the nightclub. And it's also how she grows this tomato plant in their um, spaceship. They also explained that the leader of UTS, whose name is Sullivan, he used Codename to terraform Mars, which is going to be like the new Earth. He's Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> His plan is to kill Dorothy in a hydrogen bomb because that's the only way to destroy nanobots. And then um, basically drop it into the Earth and explode Earth so that the only option left was for these elite people to go live on Mars, which is disgusting. It's a little extreme, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the crews decide to unite Codename with her father and disable the bomb with the help of the Black Foxes, who are going to locate and bring Dr. Kong, who is Codename's father, to the meeting point. Soldiers then attack them, but Teho and Codename manage to flee on the victory. And at that point, they enter a space debris field where these nanobots, not controlled by Dorothy at the moment, begin to consume their ship. And there, there's like a point earlier in the movie where they're like, nanobots cannot be stopped. Like once they get on your ship, like you're done. They're bed bugs. Basically. <laughs> but then Codename communicates with the nanobots and they disperse. She was like, stop. And they were like, okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And then they enter the factory where they're supposed to be meeting up with Dr. Kong, but of course they get ambushed. The UTS soldiers kill everybody, including Codename's dad, and then they kidnap Codename. And then in kind of a tough point in the movie, Sullivan gives Teho $4 million in return for abandoning Codename. Teho ends up taking the money because he will do anything to be reunited with his daughter's body to say goodbye, um, which is really sad and heartbreaking. But the rest of the Victory crew decide to save Codename, even if it kills them. So Teho gives the $4 million to the UTS officers and they hand over Suni's possessions, her clothes, crayons, and writing book. And in it, Suni had written that she wanted to be a good person like her father. Tears ensue. <laughs> this know. reminds Teho of the promise he made to Suni to be the best man she had ever known. So with this turning point, he takes back the money and returns to the ship with a new zeal before they all go to save Codename together. 
So after this, Sullivan announces the colonization of Mars. He sends out this giant video message. It's so creepy. It's like a full body hologram. I'm like, you want people to see your ass? (laughs) You're talking? I mean, okay. (laughs) It has to be mentioned that Sullivan is played by a white guy and like all of his lines are in English. He reminds me so much of the dad from Evangelion. Yeah. In looks and demeanor. I was like, that has to be the character inspiration because this man is batshit crazy. Yeah. He kind of reminded me of like a Hugh Jackman knockoff. A little bit, Baby yeah. wasn't getting that vibe, but th- that's the vibe that I got. <laughs> After Sullivan's very strange <laughs> announcement that he's like, we're going to Mars! <laughs> Dorothy is strapped to the bomb, but the team is able to free her. But Jong discovers that the bomb can't actually be diffused. So it's not only going to destroy everything in the blast radius, but also any nanobots within 500 kilometers. So it is a very, very big blast. The only way Dorothy's nanobots and her life basically can be saved is if they get her way the fuck out of range of this. So the team sets off to fly 5,000 kilometers away out of range, but they are interrupted by a murder bot, basically. (laughs) Tiger is like, I'm going to fight this soldier. And the team sends out a message to the rest of the space sweepers. And they're like, solidarity, come help us. And of course, they show up for their aid, which is good. And they start fighting against the troops. While this battle is going on, the population of Earth and the UTS colonies are like really shocked to learn of what's actually happening. And they figure out Sullivan's true goals because there's a leaked recording of him being like, of course people are going to die. We can only have the best people. Everyone else will die as I explode the Earth. Fuck them. Very unprofesh, dude. (laughs) They like zoomed in on these people on the colony and they were like, oh my God. uh." It just seems so odd in that moment. I'm like, what were they reacting to? (laughs) I just thought that seemed really funny. (laughs) So the victory is intercepted by Sullivan himself. And he's like, okay, one-on-one, we're going to fight. I am going to get back Dorothy. And of course, you know, they almost lose but then Tiger and Teho manage a final boost that is able to push their ship just out of the blast range. And then the crew pulls one over on Sullivan and he's like, we sent Dorothy out with the other space sweeper. She's not even here, dummy. The hydrogen bomb is here. <laughs> so the Victory had removed the bomb from the core and they carried it away and they were like, okay, we're going to sacrifice our lives to save Dorothy and Earth. It's going to be great. And then the bomb explodes, but Dorothy summons all her nanobots and she protects the spaceship and she saves everyone again. So in the aftermath of this battle, the UTS CEO, he's dead. Then the corporation is like, our CEO was a shit. He is dead. We apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was like, okay, The company is like, we're going to make Earth more habitable. That is our new goal. Tiger and Teho are able to take Dorothy down to Earth to help her grow trees. And uh, they continue the space sweeping because they enjoy it. Not because they have to. Yeah. It's a nice ending. I thought it was, overall, a good movie. I did think that it was way too fucking long. 
It was a bit long. Yeah. I'm sorry. We got to bring back the tight 90. <laughs> yeah, this movie was just over two hours, I think. Like two hours, ten minutes. And it was a very dense movie. Like a lot happened. Yes. I definitely think that this was either a manga or a manhwa that was adapted into a movie. And it was originally like a 12 book thing or something like that. Because there was a lot of content. <laughs> So let's talk about the casting for this movie, which I thought was really interesting. This is a Korean movie. There's a Korean director. It stars three Korean people. However, a large portion of the extras and the cast are non-Koreans. The villain is a white guy and he speaks English. There's a bunch of other people who are speaking English. We even have people speaking Spanish and French. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really, really cool because in the future, language is not going to be a very big barrier to anything. And the way that the movie gets around that is that everyone seems to have earpieces that translate whatever anyone is saying to your language, which I was like, that is so fucking genius. That's what we need. (laughs) Literally. So I was really happy that the casting was so diverse and it just made the, the film seem larger And I loved that. And I loved the innovative technology that they used. I just thought it was really good. However, I do think that one of the people that was cast as like a speaking role extra was Swedish and was trying to play an American, but their American accent was so fishy. (laughs) So let's do our ratings for this. One to five, one being the worst, Five being the best. How would you rate the acting in this? I would give this a four out of five. I think in general, everybody did a pretty good job with their characters and sticking to, you know, what their characters were supposed to be like. I think obviously Teho did a lot of the heavy lifting with the acting. I also thought the little girl who played Dorothy was also very good. Um, And the voice actor for Bubs in particular, those three, I think did a really great job. I'm going to give this one a four out of five. The person who played Bubs, the the face actor and the voice actor, 10 out of 10. I loved them. They were my favorite part of the movie. Um, and the little girl who plays Dorothy is very cute and very good actor for a kid, I will yes. say. The villain guy is fucking bonkers. He's not giving you half. He's giving you 200% evil. Yeah. <laughs> like, I gotta hand it to him. Everyone did a really good job. They were all very charming. Definitely charismatic people on set. Mm -hmm. One to five. How would you rate the script for this? The writing? The plot? I don't like giving half points. I'll go full four out of five for this too. I thought a lot of the elements of this story has been done before. But I think the space sweepers garbage collection element is unique. And I also thought that the child that you think is a bomb (laughs) plot was unique as well. But a lot of things like nanobots, Earth being uninhabitable, an evil corporation, that stuff has been done before. So uh, I'm I'm being generous with a four out of five. (laughs) I'm going to give it a three out of five. I thought that it had a really great, unique plot line, even though some elements, yes, have been done before, like you said. But... I thought that it got overly complicated when delving into people's backstories, and I felt like a lot of it could be simplified. There are also some inconsistencies, too. Like, 
the nanobots should have been taken out by the hydrogen bomb, not been able to protect the ship. So that's a pretty big plot hole <laughs> there. And there are some other ones too, while we were, uh, me and my boyfriend were watching that we were like, huh, that doesn't make sense. So. Okay. One to five. How would you rate everything else about this movie? The lighting, the costuming, the CGI, the soundtrack, the Netflix plot summary <laughs> description. <laughs> Nothing really sticks out to me that much. I'm going to think, I think I'm going to have to go three out of five for the rest of everything. The sets were, you know, generic, like haphazardly put together spaceship. And I didn't really notice the soundtrack that much. So I guess it wasn't doing anything horrible. Yeah, three out of five. I think I'm going to give this three out of five as well. I did appreciate the costuming. I thought it was pretty understated for a futuristic space western, Mm -hmm. um, which you usually don't get, which did, in fact, remind me of Cowboy Bebop in a way. But even Cowboy Bebop had a little bit of flavor. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping for that. Like you said, I didn't really take notice of the score or the music. So three out of five. A very simple, would you recommend this movie? Yay or nay? Yes, I would recommend this movie. Same. You should check it out. It's on Netflix. Let's wrap up this episode with our weekly K-pop recommendations. I'm going to recommend Go or Stop by Soonmi. I'm going to recommend Summer Ride by Jay Park. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Soulmates Podcast. You can find Soulmates on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. Check us out on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. Watch some of our videos on YouTube under our channel name, Soulmates Podcast. This program is available pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you like and follow, subscribe, whatever. Because we are here every other Friday for you. Bye. Bye.